0: It is actually a truly an honor to be here. And again, I said, I've, um, we've been a, in a weirdest year. Someone said to me, How, what, do you, what do you find challenges? I said, this year, probably in all of the church, we've experienced something that is unprecedented. And it, it basically, I was explaining to, I was saying to Jen, I said, what's God saying to us in this time? I said, it's like, if you were to ask me, you know the story when Jesus came in and flipped the tables in the temple? Like it was this really, he was like, I want to display who I am. And so he went into the temple and he started flipping over the tables and money's flying everywhere. And he's like, I want myself, I want, you know, I want my house to be a house of prayer. Well, everything that we've experienced in the last year has, what is church? Why do we do church? It's like Jesus came in and flipped the tables. Because I believe he's in charge of COVID. COVID. I think if you wanted to take it out, but what happened is, and what's important in your life, what are the things that, it's like suddenly everything went, all got flipped over. The challenge is, like most the Jews that did, is it's so easy to put those tables back up. Instead of saying, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? What are you, what are you after? Because everything that we do as church now became kind of challenged. And so, what I think God's saying to us is how we need Him, that's the first part, And what happens is it's bringing us back to a foundation. Really, really down. What is church? Why do you do it? And everything is about this. This is a a crazy promise right now this morning is this. Where two or more are gathered, he's right here in the midst of us. Think of what we just said. Instantly, you did nothing. You just showed up. And his presence is right there. So what did we do for that? I don't know, nothing really. That's the gospel. Jesus did everything for us so that we could boldly enter. And, but here's the challenge is this. It's, I think sometimes we, we need to grow in an awareness of it. Because when that's taken away, when you're taking away the ability to fellowship with one another, that's when you realize, whoa, I've taken something for granted. I'll, let me explain this. Have you ever been aware, like suddenly become aware of something that you just for the first time like you it's always been around but you've never really like you just get aware of it. Okay, I'll give you an example um, where if you're walking down a street and then all of a sudden you hear a song like my, my wife oh do you hear that song and then it was there playing the whole time but now you're aware of it. It's like oh and you catch the tune that's playing it's there but you weren't aware of it or similar this is what I love to do I'm notorious for this our kids love music and that, so we'll be doing the dishes and I'll start singing a song. And instantly, all of the, everyone's now bebopping to the song that I implanted in their head. They became aware of the song. It wasn't there, but now because I have now said it, it they're, we're all bebopping to it. Or, Okay, better yet like this. This is probably the best illustration. I'm walking down the street and my wife is usually really good. She'll go, do you smell that? And I'm like, <laughs> and this is usually what happens meat. Like, instantly, I'm in heaven, because I know the streets are paid with gold, but I think that's golden brown meat, honestly. I mean, I don't, don't worry about my theology about this, but I'm just, honestly, it's like, that, or for you might be coffee. You know, you just, it was there, but suddenly you're aware of it, and this desire is like, oh, that's so good. That's what I'm talking about. It was there before, but now you have an awareness of it, and I think that's part of what we're recognizing in the church in these days. His presence is here, but now it's taken away. Do we have an awareness? It's not taken away. It's always there. But the ability for us to connect, the awareness of what does it mean when two or more are gathered, or He's right here in our presence. So I think it's really important for this awareness. Why? Why do we need an awareness is this. I think I, call it, I would call it like spiritual drift. Now, if you guys don't know what spiritual drift is, I'll explain it by this. I would use the term drifting from canoeing. Have you ever gone canoeing down a river? What happens is this. If I'm canoeing down a river, there is a force, it's called a river, that's pushing against me, and I have to actually keep paddling to to avoid what we call drift. What happens is if I stopped paddling, instantly I'm now carried along by the current. I'm carried along by whatever is there, pulling me along. Now, did you know that there is a current in our culture, in our society and everything that is so anti-god? We we might be aware of it, but I don't know if we're aware of it sometimes. But I do know that it's very easy that if suddenly we were to stop paddling, which direction do we get pulled into? Where do we get suddenly going down? And suddenly God says, "I want you to be aware of something this morning. I want you to be aware of me." And I actually believe it's important with our Christian walk because it says in the Bible, in him we live and move and have our being. So we're supposed to do everything through God's power and his strength, and yet how often are we now wrestling where we kind of do it in our own strength? So I have one one goal this morning, just one thought. I would like to have us a renewed awareness of the Holy Spirit I just, you would get one thought today, it's like, he's right here, he's in me. This one goal this morning, so that what happens is that you will actually get a hunger and a desire and a thirst even. Mm -hmm. And so something awakens in you because suddenly you're being attuned to what is there, the Holy Spirit. So today it's just about that, keeping aware of the Holy Spirit. Francis, and, and I'll explain it because like this, Francis Chan says this in his book, Forgotten God. There's a big gap between what we read in Scripture about the Holy Spirit and how much believers and churches operate today. Yeah. So what he's saying is this. In many modern churches, you'd be stunned by the apparent absence of the Holy Spirit in any manifest way. Wow. And so he, he even elaborates like this. He goes, if he was Satan or if I were Satan and my ultimate goal was to thwart God's kingdom and purposes, one of the main strategy, strategies would be to this, to get God's people to ignore the Holy Spirit. If I wanted to kill the church, all I'd do is just get you unaware of the Holy Spirit, and I would do a great job, is what he's saying. Because there's a reality of this. Familiarity breeds contempt. You ever heard that? You, you become so familiar that you now take for granted what is right there in your midst. And this is where I think this awareness becomes where it's a, it's a beautiful thing that when God said, I, I would not orphan you, I would not leave you alone. I'm with you all the time, but the awareness is a shift. And so, I want to share this scripture because this is probably the most challenging. Paul the Apostle Paul was talking to a church, Thessalonians, and this church really went through hard times. What had happened is he went and preached the gospel to them, and then because of persecution, because they were trying to swim upstream, they literally, Paul had to leave the church. He, he was only there, they say, for three months, and yet the church started. What did he start them? It's crazy. These guys were willing to go through all the hardship. They fact where you read it, this book is amazing. They fellowshiped with other, one another. They did all these like incredible, just think, three months. And they were like, uh, we're, we're church, man. We're doing this together. Well, at the end of the book, I want to get you jumping to the end of the book. He gives them this how to live this out, and he gives these little thoughts that are crucial, that are crazy. Like we just like little one-hit wonders that you're like, but that's profound. And this is what he says in First Thessalonians chapter five, verse nineteen. He's closing the book, and he's kind of kind of say, I want you guys to get the most important stuff, the way we're going to live this out. And he says this in, in chapter five, verse nineteen to twenty-one. He says this. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Three little little verses that are absolutely crazy challenging. Do not quench the Spirit. Well, think about this. What what do I mean? I want to unpack that. What do you mean by not quenching the Spirit? Um, Because if you think about what he's saying... The word, the definition of quenching is, sibimene is the best way I can try to brutalize any Greek. That's how I did it. Sibimene, which means this. The word is to extinguish, or it means to cool. It's something such as heated metal. Take an idea of heated metal, and then just cause it to lose its heat or warmth. You remember when Paul, or sorry, John was talking, and Jesus stood in front of the church, and he said to them, "Uh, "You know, you're neither hot nor cold, but you're kind of lukewarm." He's kind of giving a same reference to this. The word quenching of the Spirit, this idea of becoming lukewarm. And what happens is he's saying, now, do not quench the Spirit. Now, here's the first thing I want to make a statement right off the hop. By saying this, is he saying, is Paul saying that you and I have the ability to quench God? Can you and I stop God? That's what he's asking. Now, this, this is a good theological question because I believe this. Paul is not saying that we're able to, our ability to quench God's spirit, it doesn't mean that he isn't sovereign. Right. Yeah. It doesn't mean that if God says, I don't care how hard you are, I'm going to move. Yeah. Right. He can do that. Yeah. He's never saying to them that you, have, you somehow now become in control of God. He's never saying that. But what he is saying is there's a partnership with the Holy Spirit now. God somehow in this, he is sovereign, but he's going, I'm going to actually give you a freedom of choice. Because that's what love is. He says, on this idea, as you're walking out your faith, here's the point. You now have a choice. And with that choice, you can quench the Spirit. This partnership of living with the Holy Spirit. Now, So again, I have this one goal this morning. And a re- a, just a renewed awareness of the Holy Spirit. Imagine all the time talking to us, guiding us, helping us. And imagine if we got in tune with that, how different life would kind of be. Or how challenging it would be. It's really hard to not quench the Spirit. Am I the only one believing that? I'm, I'm telling you guys, these are the most challenging verses to a church. Do not quench the Spirit. Because all the time I feel like there's something, a wave pushing against me. It's called a culture. And if how to be in the world but not a part of it is such a challenge. And Jesus said, I'm not going to take you out of the world, but I'm going to put you in there so that you'll be light. You need the Holy Spirit to go against this flow. And that's the awareness. like, I try to do this on my own so often. And again, if the Holy Spirit left the church, would anyone even know? Scary thoughts. The only reason, and Carly, I'm going to pick on you. Why would you confess? Is the Holy Spirit telling you to do that? I think the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts us of sin, right? So in order to actually even do confession, you have to hear the Holy Spirit saying, by the way, how you did this, can you repent? The gift of repentance comes from the Holy Spirit. And so you can't even do this walk unless you're going, I really need you. That's the gospel. So keeping aware of Spirit so we don't quench spirit, that's the whole point. Let's not quench the spirit. Let's, God, how do we encourage it? How do we allow the Holy Spirit to have operation in our lives? Well, the first one, he actually explains how we don't do, that, how, how we can uh, not quench the spirit by this. Keeping aware by not despising prophecies. He explains this right away. Sometimes like I love it when it's like, tell me what we need to do. And he goes, okay, this is what you need to do. How many of you like clear instructions? And all those A-type personalities just put their hands up. For me, I'm like, no, I don't know what I'm doing. We'll get there. We'll get there. Whatever. Whatever. It'll happen. <laughs> Thus Paul and I had that big fight two years. Yeah. No, 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 just joking, just joking. A lot, yeah, it was a lot longer. That was way longer. Yeah. Stick on the notes. You see, the manner in which the Thessalonians were extinguishing the Holy Spirit's fire was specified. Apparently, evidently, some people were despising the gift of prophecy in Thessalonica. Well, why would you ever despise a gift? Why would you despise something that God has given to us to build up or edify the church? Why would you ever do that? It seems to imply that what was happening was the gift was being misused. Did you know that you can have a gift and misuse that gift? Absolutely. And I understand that because when I think of prophetic and prophecy, for those of you that don't know, I'm again from Whitehorse, Yukon, is my original where we came from. So my wife and I, we met like when I were 10 years old. This girl was in our youth group way back in Whitehorse. So we have lots of history. But I'll tell you one thing that I didn't. I, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. We believe in all the gifts. But I'll be really honest with you. I hated the prophetic. Absolutely despised it. And this is why. Because my experience with the prophetic way back in Whitehorse was this. I had, uh, you know, people would come and prophesy and they would say this. But they would be re- it was really tough. Like I had one lady come in and say, uh, Pastor, I need to share something. And I was like, okay. okay what, yeah, what do you, I feel like God's got a word for you. I'm like, okay. That's good. I just need to prophesy to you Jeremiah 23. Now, if you don't know what Jeremiah 23 is, it's God rebuking the pastors, uh, the shepherds of Israel, because they're doing a lousy job, and he will, he's gonna bring a, a, a real shepherd that will care for his sheep. I'm sitting there going, I feel really built up and edified. That's a beautiful word. Thank you. Thank you. No, I, was, I, I hated it, because who, who's to say this is not God? Like, it was like, you can't argue with that. God gave me a word for you. And I'm just left with the, with the feeling of, this is absolutely, it hurt. I hated the prophetic. And then God sets me up, though, because what happens, we had a guy named Steve Whitmer come. And Steve Whitmer was very prophetic and a very kind and amazing man. He's like a father. He was like a spiritual father. A guy I'd never met. You we know, were doing these revival meetings. I went kicking and screaming. I had to go because I'm the youth pastor. And I get to this revival meeting. And I'm just there, and he goes, I would like to pray for all the pastors. Now, everything inside me goes, just dig your heels in. You, you, it's all a freedom of choice, right? You don't have to do this. But I'm like, I'll go. So I make the choice to even do it, and I am kicking and screaming. And it gets up there, and, 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 and Steve looks at me, he looks at me, and he goes, oh, yeah, I, I, feel, I got a feeling you're, you're, you're not really open to this. He just said it right out there, and I said, well, is it, are you okay with me praying? And I said, yeah, I'm okay, go ahead. <laughs> What happened was it absolutely floored me. This very kind, gentle man started to pray, and he said, I have a picture for you. And he started to tell in verbatim a dream I had three days before. He told it exactly a dream that I had, and then he gave me the interpretation of the dream. In fact, I would not have been in Winnipeg had I not had this complete stranger prophesy to me about what God was doing in the direction of my life because I did not know the challenges that we were going to be faced, the change from church to church, to change all of my life in that, to go to a totally different city, because, but God loved me and would speak through someone else. I could have threw out the baby with the bathwater. You see, that's what happened is rather than receiving and, and, and receiving the gift of prophecy, the Thessalonians were just, let's chuck it out. And I get it, if you've been hurt. But Paul says this, rather than throwing it out, he says, rather test the prophetic, use discernment. Chew on the meat and spit out the bones kind of thing. Don't look at the person, look at what God is wanting to do. You know, ask the question, does this line up with the word of God? Does it build up and edify? Does it confirm something God is already speaking to you? God will not give you another word that he has not already spoken to you. Did you know that? Or he'll confirm something. Because man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so what happens is you need to have your own bread. And God's speaking to you individually. And that prophetic voice is simply to help confirm. Now, sometimes if it's a judgment, I get it. But even that, you know what? God disciplines those he loves. He loves. And when he disciplines me really well, it actually feels good. Not a rebuke, not a hurt, like, yeah, I, gotta, I don't think that was right how I said that to my kids, how I said that to my wife, or how I did whatever. Yeah. All the gifts can be misused. All of them can. But rather than rejecting them on the basis of inferior words or whatever, it just, Paul is saying, weigh them, test them, don't despise them. Hold on to them. But again, there's a challenge with it because, as I said, the reality of these hurts or things come in. Maybe you've been hurt by prophetic words. Have you ever been hurt? Yeah. You know what? On behalf of all prophetic people, because the irony is for a guy who hated the prophetic, I came down and suddenly people are going, actually, we see a gift in you that you're prophetic. How ironic. It's super ironic. But on behalf of prophetic people, I just ask you to forgive us because we make mistakes. There's many times when I've thought God was saying something and I probably said it and I took a leap of faith, but I'm so glad of a people who are okay for me to take risks. That they're okay if I get up here and say, oh, by the way, guys, I think we need to do something for the kids. And I, it's okay, he's a little crazy, but we'll let him do it. It takes a people allowing you to be prophetic to be prophetic. Do you get that? There are people in here today, God was speaking to you, but you didn't say a word because you didn't feel it was okay to say it. And that's the challenge. Maybe you're despising prophecy because you've received a word and it never came to pass. It takes a great deal of courage to give God control over prophetic words. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. What if he's given you a word that won't come till 40 years later, like Abraham, or when you're 90? What, do you, what happens then? And God says, Do you trust me? I am the one that gives these words. He says, Not them. The other part I think is this keeping aware by not neglecting the gift. Because here's the thing He says, Do not despise the gift of prophecy, test them, but he also says, hold on to the good. And this is really the challenge. I, I don't know about you, but thinking about the good, how many of you actually think of more, it's how things are going to turn bad? That's me. I'm not going to lie. Often, I am a, a, a hyper vigilance. I think of every scenario, but I'm always thinking it's going to end terrible. So That's just the problem with me as a pastor. They're all going, Norm, you think the world's gonna blow up? It says it in the Word. (laughs) The Bible says it's gonna blow up. Come on. It's all gonna end now and we're living in the last days. They're like, calm down. No, no. What he says is this, think about the good, which is this. You can actually not quench the spirit by not neglecting your gift. Let me explain by this. You ever heard the term use it or lose it? I don't think in in the kingdom you can actually lose God's gifts. I think he gives them to you. The problem is if you don't use it, you actually can quench the spirit though. Because this is why in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 14, Paul talks to Timothy and he says, he's telling this young man how to live and he says, "Um, by the way, do not neglect the gift you've received by prophecy and the laying of hands. You've received this gift, don't neglect it. Then in 2 Timothy, he says this, in verse 1 and 6, he says, and I remind you to fan into flame. Yeah. So what's his responsibility that he's been given a gift? He's now got to fan it into flame. Yeah. That's his choice every day to go, will I use the gift that God has given me? God sent her going, I gave it to you, but if you don't use it, it's now quenching or neglecting what has happened, what he's given you. He doesn't take it away. But now what's happening is you have a gift of the Holy Spirit, God in you, lying dormant. And so neglecting the gift is actually the opposite of fla- fanning the flame. In fact, it's the way we quench the Spirit. And so why would you do that? Why would you quench a gift? Why would, you not, why would you neglect it? And why was Paul saying that to Timothy? You need to fan it. Well, because this. And I, there's a lots of reasons, but I'm going to just give you two thoughts. Two. I think the biggest thing that keeps us from fanning in the flame and, or neglecting that gift is this, is doubt and fear. See, doubt and fear are the enemies of faith and trust. To have fear is to show a lack of faith. And actually what doubt does is it robs, our, robs us of our joy. Both doubt and fear can actually suppress the work of the Spirit in us. And actually, it'll strip you of the desire to serve Christ. What if that, What will that person think or say if I do this? No, God wasn't speaking to me. There's no, nah, I'm, my voice is in my head or whatever kind of thing. It's going to take a huge risk because I might have to do some crazy stuff like, well, give away things or stuff. I might have to repent. That's doubt and fear. And I understand this because this is when I wanted to really... I was realizing God's got a prophetic gift and it's in Ephesians chapter 5. It says, and he'll give you these gifts, pastors, evangelists, you know, prophets, apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, to equip the body for works of service. So in other words, it's not for me to prophesy. It's to go, there's somehow people in here meant to prophesy. And so my job is to get you guys prophesying, not me to give all the prophecy. And so I said, guys, we need to do this in our church. We need to equip people who will want to prophesy or who have the ability and I, so I said, let's do this. We made this course called the Equip. It was called Equip. It's all about training, because if you want to grow in it, let's grow, let's grow in it. Cool. I went to this one person. Now, they do this in the church. Every day, this person would do this. Or not every day, but often they'd get up and they'd say, open the word, and they'd say a scripture. And that scripture was so profound. It was like reading the pastor what they were going to preach on. AKA, uh, Carlin, when you got up and confessed, it's one of my points in my sermon. I may not get to it, but that's just so you know if it's there. You, you prophesied already what was I'm going to be preaching. This guy would do it all the time. And so I said to him, would you like to maybe come to this equipped training thing because we want to learn how to be prophetic. He goes, I'm not prophetic. I'm like, what? He's like, I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, I'm not prophetic. You know, those guys that are prophet guys. They get visions. They get dreams. They get all these. And I don't get any of that. I just read the scripture and I get a thought and I just share it. And I turned to him and I said, So what you're saying is you're doubting that God could give you a gift of prophecy. And you're afraid to mess up. Why don't you just come and see? Ironic? guy, the person's so prophetic. It's beautiful. It's beautiful when he's actually got a scripture that the person that came to the church for the first time said, that is what I needed to hear today. I needed to hear that. It unlocked something in me. And I just, this person, just because they felt that they had to deal with the doubt and fear and, and I didn't want them to neglect the gift that God had placed in them. That when everyone starts sharing and hearing God, it changes everything. Hey, do you know I got a word for you, Michaela? I got a word. It's would what, really? Now, again, it, it's not for me to replace God speaking to her, but to affirm. And, and she's like, wow, I needed to hear that. And every single one of me said, every one of us have the ability Because this is what you need to do. How do we do it? Well, first of all, I give you permission. Practice on the church. Practice on the church. If it's not safe here to say, I think God's saying something to me, then we're, we're hooped, honestly. The most loving place is a place when you know I can practice and I can make mistakes and people go, we love you. Ah, it was a little off. Like, no, streets are not made of meat. Sorry, the, that's not really biblical. I, I don't mind that. I'm, I can d- deal with that correction. Many of you meditarians out there are really f- feeling like, no, that's heresy. He, there's meat. There's meat on those streets. I get that. Practice it. But practice it where you know it's you're able to love each other and correction that. The other one is because it's this. It's all about mission. Prophecy, in a way, is this. It's not about just to build up and edify the church. It's so that an unbeliever comes in and sees. And when I started to realize it's more about than just me in the church, it's what happens with me outside the church. That's when it got real. I'm at a Starbucks, and I feel I'm sitting there going, okay, God, I just want to use this. You got this gifts in me. You want to and all of a sudden, he goes, yeah, I would like you to go and pray for the... And it's not a voice like that, but it sounds kind of like that. It sounds like my voice, but it's very deep and like, you need to do this. You have a voice. There's that lady at the Starbucks. You know her, the barista. You need to pray for her. Um, no. That's not the Lord. Not at all. You need to go to that lady, the barista over there, and you need to pray for her. I know. We've been making relationships. I go to this coffee shop every time, but no, Lord, no. You need to go. Okay, fine. Fine. I've been talking about you need, you have a gift, you got to use it and it's best used out. So I go up to the lady. I'm like, ah, I know this may sound weird, but uh, you know, I'm a pastor and you know that I go to church and all that stuff, but I was over there and I felt like God say to me, I'm supposed to pray for you. I'm really like that. I'm not confident. There is no like, I've heard the voice of the Lord. It is not like that people. It is nothing like that. It in fact has so much where it's like, this is so stupid and strange. And then what happens? She goes, did you hear? Did, you, did I hear what? I just got diagnosed with cancer. I, I, how did you know that? Uh, not me. <laughs> I just believe that God wanted me to come pray for you because he loves you. And... It starts an amazing relationship just to be the Holy Spirit, the prophetic, not just in the church but in the world as you're aware of God's presence, as you're aware of these in you and what happens when you're living like that, it changes everything. So don't neglect this gift. Some of you might even have it, but it's that, how do I do this? Well, here's the thing that I would like to say with you the most. How do you do it? Because this is the last point. I'm gonna, I felt like the, I went on lots of tangents, so she's being amazing, so <laughs> How do you do it? Keeping aware of the spirit by not grieving the Holy Spirit. Did you know that quenching and grieving go very similar at a hand in hand? And I want to read a scripture to you that's probably the most challenging. Quenching and grieving the Holy Spirit fit together. Ephesians 4, verse 29 and 32 says this. This is what Paul said to the church. He was telling them how they used to walk in darkness and now they're walking in light and they're supposed to live like children of light. And this is what he says. Let no corruptive talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. In front of the command to not grieve the Holy Spirit, and behind the command is this exhortation to be kind, gracious, loving. How are we supposed to operate in this? How are we supposed to cultivate in this? How are we supposed to have an awareness of this? It's all through one thing. It's actually growing in love. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's important to, in order to get this awareness of God, it's all through love. It's the fact that God loves you. It's the fact that God wanting us to grow in love. It's all about love. And this is how I know. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Paul was talking about these spiritual gifts. And he talked, he gave a list, and then he drops drops right in the middle of it, 13. Love is patient, love is kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, it's not, you know, he tells you what love is like, which is very similar to Galatians chapter 5, which is the fruit of the Spirit. In the fruit of the Spirit, you have gentleness and kindness and faithfulness, patience, joy, So how do you quench the Holy Spirit? Just do something in a really unloving manner. You see, God will still give you a gift, but the scary part is we can actually be quenching the Spirit by how we operate either in the flesh or in the Spirit. And I know what the acts of this flesh are. It's idolatry, it's sexual morality, it's no it's anger fits of rage jealousy dissensions it's crazy to think that in the church we can have more angrier people and fighting over things than operating in love and then we wonder why the spirit is quenched because here's the point in order to grow in awareness of it you're actually growing in love Pursue love is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14:1. Pursue love and eagerly desire the gifts. Pursue love first. So God is trying to say this. He's got you to use the spiritual gift, but focus on the fruit of the Spirit. So think of it this way. Prophetic is hearing God and sharing with others. Can you say that with me? Hearing God, sharing with others. Really simple. And he can do it. A child can do it. Hear God. God said something to me and I just want to share it with you. But it's the difference between you can hear God, share it with others and be absolutely rude. You can actually be hearing God and sharing with others and not being kind. You can actually be hearing God and sharing with others and bringing dissensions. You can actually be hearing God and sharing with others and be full of idolatry. Or even sexual morality. All those things that we can do in our flesh. But he says, do not live by the flesh, walk in the spirit. And you will not gratify. There's this need for me to go, God, you know my heart. I actually want, I I like being rude. In fact, our whole culture is this way. I like being a jerk. What do you do with fits of rage? Well, this is what he wants to do. It's about hearing God and sharing with others with joy. It's about hearing God and sharing with others with peace. It's about hearing God and sharing with others with kindness. It's about hearing God and sharing with others with goodness. It's about hearing God and sharing with others with faithfulness. It's about hearing God and sharing with gentleness and hearing God and sharing with others with self-control. That's a tough one when God says, don't share it. Mm -hmm. Keep your mouth shut. I'll give you an example of the best way and the, the way that I think right now probably grieves the Holy Spirit the most. You want to quench the Spirit the most? Social media. It's amazing what we say to one another as Christians. And so I think sometimes, man, the best thing, and I have, I've had to block people. Because I go, even if you were speaking and it was prophetic to the church, it's missing something. It's missing a fruit. Mm -hmm. So here's my question for you What's your response to people, maybe, that have hurt you or hurt you? What's your response if maybe if Christians are not loving? Well, what was Jesus' response? Mm. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do his response was on a cross in fact he was willing to be sacrificed be nailed imagine a people who say that lord i i realize that all the world is going nuts but help me to be silent that's the most profound thing on when he was being persecuted and being killed he said nothing how many of us that when we have been hurt we actually got to blurt it to the whole world but he said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. What's your response to people who betray you? Jesus said, I prayed for you, Peter, when you'd turn your way. That you'd come back. What incredible love. See how hard it is to live these scriptures? To not quench the spirit? Until you get an awareness, God, I need you today. I can't do this. I can't do church. I can't do any of this. I need God. I need, my kids need God. They need to experience the presence of God because it'll change from their flesh to this. It radically will make a difference in me. It makes me hungry. It makes me a good husband. It makes me a good parent. It makes me a good worker. It makes everything. I need you, Holy Spirit, every moment. I had one job today. You have an awareness of the Holy Spirit, but now do you have a hunger and a thirst? That's the question. So let's do this. I'm going to close and I just want to pray with you guys and let pass it over to Paul. You guys have been amazing. I went way over time because I went off my notes like crazy and she's like, the guy is all nuts. He's all over the place. But for me, I felt there was something about this. You guys are fighting for something right now in COVID. I say this as a prophetic. You're fighting for something for your kids and you don't realize it. You're fighting in how you operate as church and you don't even know the stream you're going and the amount of probably uh, operating in a different spirit than what's around. So, I think, Jen, you are singing a song about how God fights our battles at the very beginning and then you asked that we would open up the doors, that the king, like, almost like that somehow God would now do this fight for us. So I wanna pray that for you. Father, I just thank you for the incredible grace that this church has to let me go over time but to also just Lord that right now it's not by might it's not by power it's by your spirit. I'm hungry I'm thirsty I I recognize my need. I recognize that Lord I I can't we can't do this anymore. You've stripped everything away. So what is church? It's about meeting you and meeting with the people but Lord how do we not quench the spirit is so tough. So help us today. I pray right now for Lord a fresh freshness of the Holy Spirit, an awareness of you. I pray that today you would make us hunger and thirst for you. I want to release the prophetic gift in this place in Jesus' name. I want to pray that, Lord, you would stir up the gifts in here that are people here. They they know it's okay to practice because they have a loving community that lets them. And I thank you for letting them just receive me today. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen.